Hello folks, the Traveling Principal Joe Klossy here, uh, episode podcast number two. Um, and we're going to call this one The Importance of Being Prepared. Uh, so let's get right into it. Um, I have been thinking about what to start with, and I definitely felt like lesson planning was the, the correct place. I could go a number of routes, but if I'm out to change, education in high school is my best place to start. Um, is definitely planning and then delivery. Uh, it all starts there. Great educators are well-planned and deliver with their hearts on their sleeves. So let's start with an example. Example number one. I go into a classroom and it's under control. Students seem to be learning. Teacher is walking around the room checking on progress of a certain classwork task. Questions are asked. Responses always given. While notes are being put on a Google Doc filled in with several students during this classroom work activity. An aim is on the board and all students are on task. As an administrator, it's easy for me to like this. I see planning is evident based on tasks going on, based on repetition of similar task-like classwork activities. Everyone is engaged and focused. Example number two. I go into a classroom, and students are all at desks with a handout in front of them. A passage is on top with questions at the bottom. You take a second look and notice five questions are at the bottom. You see students grouped together, yet if half of the class was on task, that was an overestimate. You notice a student get up to use the restroom, and another is called out to follow. You notice an argument. You notice a girl sitting on another student's lap, and finally, you notice those who were working did not seem to feel comfortable in that classroom at all. Now, both of those examples have lesson plans, yet the second was not executed or delivered properly. I would ask the second teacher how much time, if any, was given to that lesson plan. What was the educational goal, other than to make it through that period? Wouldn't you like to ask that question to a teacher sometimes? Hey, what did you think, Clausy? I'll tell you what I thought. I thought you were truly trying to make it from bell to bell, and that's exactly what you did. I don't know what your kids learned, and even worse still, neither do you. Isn't teaching the point of being a teacher? Wouldn't you want to know if what you taught was learned? Wouldn't you want to know exactly who did not understand? Let me say this, if you don't have a learning objective and you don't assess what students have learned during your class time, you are not teaching. Now, I can rant and rave about teachers not having plans or how they plan or how they define what planning is. Instead, I'm going to summarize what I think works best and how I think it should be done most efficiently. Teachers want to spend their time wisest during a school day. This will enable them an opportunity to get ahead, maximize efficiency with student progress, and enable data reflection with formative assessments almost daily. Why would you not want this as a teacher? It's like the Cambridge Analytica of your students in your class. The more you know, the more you can manipulate their minds with learning new things. Use the data to get it from your lesson plans. What better way? How many of you out there think state assessments are super accurate? 
Show of hands, since this is impossible for me to determine, let's assume the number is very low percentage-wise. Uh, most of us out there, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, do not think state assessments are truly accurate measures of how students learn at all. New York State, you show me a teacher who thinks the Regents exams really reflect comprehension. Now, a teacher may say that their own assessments are way better. They can create things and they know their kids. So they should be best at creating the data than using it to refine practice. This is most properly and effectively done via a lesson plan. So let's go over some major components, shall we? Um, let, let's just dig right in. I mean, you have to start with a name question. When I got going, my assistant principal was a stickler for aim questions. She wanted open-ended, she wanted solid, daily, not too large, yet overarching enough to span exactly over the course of a lesson period. Aim questions. They were to be answered daily, every single day. And so I hated them. I hated creating them. I hated thinking about the one I wanted and how it wasn't good enough. Um, then I tried something new. Uh, I went backwards and I didn't create one until I finished the actual plan I was writing. Um, I figured around instructional objectives or standards. I looked for relevant content which was from a list of approved content, of course. And based on a larger theme, uh, I broke down what I could teach based on the literature I would use. And with the standards guiding my practice, I eventually created my aim question. There were overarching questions that I thought would truly challenge the kids to think. Um, you know, we're not talking about your low-level DOK questioning. Um, I'd get into some higher level synthesis type questions where students are drawing conclusions based on using newly learned information exemplified uh, within the content there. So once I realized that the better the aim question, the better my lesson, I started giving more value to my aims. I heard a wise tale of a veteran teacher in the Bronx who will remain nameless, yet he was one of the best teachers, best English teachers, best teachers, hands down, I've ever worked with. Um, and any one of my listeners from CCHS back in the day would know who I'm referencing. He would elicit the aim from the students at the very end of the lesson. Okay, so he would, he would ask the kids. If it was close to what he had planned, he was successful. His kids would nerd out over it, and he was like, he was like godlike in that class. I'm, I'm going to say that. He was. I've never seen anyone so effective, so funny, so intelligent, and so caring before in the classroom. And he didn't put the aims on the board for the class. He asked the kids at the end what they thought the aim was. And that's how he assessed, which is like nuts, man. That's next level. Um, I tried it a million times. I am definitely not going to lie. It worked a bunch of times out of a million. Um, uh, but the times it did not, I thought about why. 
I wondered if it was me or if it was the kids, just didn't learn that day. I would revise accordingly regardless, hence my formative assessment nonetheless. Um, you know, we'll get into cyclical endings of the lesson, but, you know, we're talking about creating your own data based on your lesson plans. Um, next, you, you got to have a solid do now. There, there's no two ways about that. A starter activity sets the tone. Um, it's the bread and butter of your lesson. Because the kids uh, should be trained to know what to do uh, as soon as they come in. If you have them from the beginning of a period until the end of a period, you should be holding them accountable from the second they walk in. Once they stroll in and shake everyone's hand in each row as the bell rings and everybody is like a, a pre-holiday celebration saying hello, you set the tone of laid back and you're going to have to break it as you get going. Um, or, or rather, in order to get going. Uh, even worse. So you can have directions on the board, uh, you can have a task printed on paper, and they get it when they come in. I've seen Chromebooks with daily starters, and kids know to go right at them because um, they're to be turned in within the first four minutes of the class for full credit. Every five seconds after is point deduction. Um, when they're worth five, you can imagine um, how easy those points are to obtain, nonetheless. Uh, also to lose, um, but like I always heard uh, from one of my former principals, points are free, so you know why not give them out. Uh, the students feel uh, the students feel that when you add that up over a term, you know th those points every day, etc., just for coming in and getting going, um, you know it's win-win. Uh, it can introduce, it can reassess, it can entertain, it can occupy, it can review, it can set it. It can break it down. Um, it can clean it up. Point is, uh, even if you have students copying things down, which is like the lowest of the low when it comes to starter activity quality, it's still something. So during this time, you can take attendance. Look at your students. Look at your students, dude. Collect work, speak with some of them individually, or handle like announcements, class business. A good starter can lead right into a mini lesson of some sort, or the development of the lesson, which is absolutely next. Um, and, and the development of a lesson is the key to the lesson plan. So what are you teaching with? What is your method? What is your goal? How can you accomplish it within the time allotted? Um, the development of a lesson is a podcast in and its own. Um, it's differentiated, it's multimedia. It's everything that students want their classes to be like ideally. Um, and so the development is something that definitely needs attention. Um, and, and we will, we're gonna break that down, I think, in, in its um, totality when, in, in a whole separate podcast. Um, so the development is definitely next. Whole class share out. Um, what was your lesson plan trying to accomplish? Uh, if you're in groups, now is the time you get together as a class uh, and discuss what happened. If it was individual, now is the time everybody comes back together as a class. Um, now is the time to start to discuss um, did you jigsaw a reading? Did you mine the web for information? Did you conduct a lab? Did you guys build something, code something? 
what were the findings and how are your students going to share them out? Um, you know, your, your whole class share out is absolutely essential um, because it leads right into your cyclical ending, um, which is when you re-ask your aim question in some way, shape, or form. So, um, you know, you determine how are you going to find out whether or not your students learned what you wanted them to. Um, and if your students don't know the answer, please do not move on until they do, which you would think is pretty obvious. However, um, you know, so let's take a little time now to talk about how much time it takes to learn how to do what I'm talking about with this lesson plan. Um, I planned obsessively when I first got started. I was mortified by my AP who hated my guts completely and sort of avoid in public embarrassment, um, which uh, was back then just like simply New York City hazing. Um, I planned like crazy. Uh, my fellow English teachers nerded out over books, plays, content, curriculum, how we did what and whose scores were the best. There was definite competition. I planned when they planned and that made me a good planner. Um, if my prep time was really to plan, like that's what I did. I used the washroom, got a coffee, and I planned. I had kids around me, but I was planning. I would collaborate with others, read their aims, ask what they've done, share what I had. In the evenings, I graded. I hated when my teachers say they have a lot to grade when our classes that I was teaching in New York City were sometimes over 40, and I would get almost all of them to pass the ELA Regents because of how much I graded their papers. That said, I was grading at night, planning during the day. I learned to get a few days ahead, then a few weeks, then a curriculum would form, and I'd have binders and files worth of units and lessons that I felt good about keeping. However, the better my lessons, the better I taught. The better I taught, the higher number of my students would pass. If you are a teacher today, you are probably given more time to plan during your day then you need. Perhaps you're just not planning correctly, or maybe you're not planning enough. What does prep time look for you? I know of a teacher who would eat during that time because that gave them the chance to work with students during lunch and tutor students, and that was awesome, um, but they weren't planning then. Their chance to plan with everyone there um, that they may need to communicate with is now minimized to email correspondence. Um, can collaboration time be used better? Can planning be done on prep and collab time? Um, and can it be used to share out and, and determine cross-curricular work? I mean, shouldn't it? Ultimately, right? Um, I think I've given some serious thought here to some of the major components that can assist in lesson planning. Let's talk about how lessons can manage classes of students so teachers don't have to. Um, I've seen lessons that are point-based um, and students know this. I've seen students race to get work in because they are aware of what that can mean to their grade and they want the easy points. I've seen students get into a topic so deeply that they are in tears 
I've seen them never want to eat something again after being exposed to some realities in a book. I've had students stand on desks to proclaim who they were and what they stood for. And I've had students learn to read in my high school classroom, jumping through a window to sneak in to the class so they can and back out that same window after the class was over without being caught. Um, I've seen a lesson take control of a group of students and challenge them to want to change the very world that they live in starting right then and there. And I've tried to create the proper environment for my staff to attempt to do the same. Um, but a teacher has to want it. A teacher has to be willing to go out on a limb, be uncomfortable in front of kids by either an antidote or something and sell a point in order to land a few others. I think it's important to note a teacher can be a master of their content yet not know how to teach well and they still get paid. A teacher can know their content and also know how to reach the students sitting in their classes by engaging them with some stuff that makes them intrinsically relate to wanting to know more. They live it. They breathe it. It is relevant to them on levels that they are now exposed to. And a good teacher isn't afraid to go in front of their students and try something, anything, albeit awkward, and look dumb or feel stupid doing it because they know their kids are going to remember what they're teaching them. I mean, the best thing I loved about being a teacher was impacting the entire classroom. When every kid was watching, listening, engaged, involved, learning, I was loving it, man. That was the goal for me. All of them. What's your goal as a teacher? Do you spend enough time planning? What are your plans like? When was the last time you shook up your teaching style? What about your planning and collaboration schedule? Let the traveling principal get in there and poke around, see what I can do to help. You can reach me at clausyconsulting at gmail.com. I'm stoked to be doing this for you guys. I love talking about it. Shoot me emails. I'm looking forward to hearing from you all. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Joe Clausy, your traveling principal with your one-stop shop to high school reform.